Well, welcome to uh, us having a quick chat about a game. <laughs> In much the same way that we have a quick one-shot game that runs for months at a time. Uh, so here at Waterculture, um, Roger, Shem, Nick and myself, John, um, we're here to talk about Roger. Well, not about Roger. Why not? Why, what better topic could there be to talk about? Doctor oh, Who I thought Adventures one. in Time and Space. Uh, that, yeah, for Doctor a start. Who Adventures in Time and Space. So, this is not the first Doctor Who game by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> been at least, Ironically. At least two, maybe three before. Two I know of that got um, actual publication and lots, lots of fan variants and things. There was a FASA one, there was, um, was it Ian Marsh's Time, Time Lord, Lord yeah. which was quite interesting actually. Had a mm-hmm. quite a clever mechanic for, for uh, squads of Daleks and that kind of stuff. But mm. tell us about this one and why we ended up playing it. Uh, well, originally I wanted to run a Doctor Who game because I had just finished rewatching all of the original series of Doctor Who. Good choice. Mm-hmm. And You've changed your tune, Nick. You really have. <laughs> well, that's because of the word original. Though, I, to be honest, after William Hartnell, I genuinely lose interest. I'm sorry that that's. <laughs> I'm sorry that's an unpopular view. The minute they start demystifying the Doctor and putting yeah. in a really dumbass. <laughs> shitty continuity. Um, well, that, I, that, I, was, I that was one of the reasons that I, I'd seen a lot of it before, but um, realising, having seen it, I, I think I watched the whole thing over the space of about two or three years. Um, right. And, yeah, I mean, th- there isn't really a continuity. No, there is. it's that's a, the it's problem. It's extremely... That's why I don't They've understand got like why five they five ways of life on Earth developing, haven't they? <sighs> what I don't you know, understand. You've got twenty six years of of the show being made. You've got goodness knows how many separate writers, directors, all the mm-hmm. rest of it. Um, and and when they did have somebody who cared about continuity, the show was crap. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So True. I, I what, never. What you I end d- up I with, it's, it's a bit like the Firefly board game. Uh, you have lots of elements which are interesting, but you can't really say no, no, that combination won't work because let's face it, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got that game. I'm just terrified by how many boxes it seems to come. So much of it. It, it only go, it's only over a thousand individual cards if you have the expansions, which I do. <laughs> I, think, I think we have the expansions. It's Roger convinced me to get oh, um, every one of them last extra. It's very <laughs> good. That, was, they were really on offer. Mm. Right. Uh, we so, have now. We got next ten. But yeah. Anyway, I, I felt like using some some of that background in the game, and that was when I first talked about it with you guys. And mm-hmm. then two years later, I actually ran it. But you know, <laughs> uh, there's so, no point rushing these things. The, the so other thing bought- is, uh, I've, I've uh, played in a few games that are run by. Um, I've, I don't know how many of you've met Doctor Bob. Uh, Only online, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've played in several games run by her at conventions and just generally uh, got got the vague hang of the system and thought, yeah, this is quite good. Okay. So can I ask, um, uh, you know, we talked about Firefly and we know, well, I, uh, the, the kind of themes uh, and ideas that are in it. What, because you say, who is a show that is uniquely and kind of weighed, I, I would argue way too heavily weighed down by its long, long history. What is it about Doctor Who that you feel is emulated, you wanted to emulate in a game? Um, 
an interesting and complex setting and the feeling there's always stuff going on in the background that you don't necessarily know about. You, you, your, your story is just one of a whole bunch of things that are happening rather than... Okay, this, this isn't something you necessarily get from the show, but it's something I get, I, yeah. I get from thinking about the show. You know, your your right. story is one of the things that's happening, but there might be something entirely different happening somewhere else. It's not that it's not just about what's on camera. Right. Mm. But well, I but I would agree thing, that Sorry, I would say well, for one thing, with it being about time travel, inherently it's not just about what's on camera because uh, you know, they're basically saying we can go back to any point, so all this other stuff is happening. Maybe in the future you'll see what's been happening elsewhere or in the past yeah. or in the future. Though mm. I, I would argue that when, when the show gets to be about time travel, it, it tends to be weak. Uh, in, in the early days, it was mostly, we will use this time machine to get to where the adventure is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then we will not mm. mention it again. And then we will use it to leave where the adventure has happened. It's, it's still they, mostly it. They stopped it? doing um, historicals for years, didn't they, until they got back to them, I think, with the David Tennant one. Mm. Um, they did a few. Well, Tom Baker. Well, they 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 did historicals, but they always had a monster of the week. In the Hartnell years, it was always this is as straight as these are the Aztecs. There's no and monster the, and in the closet. One, or one pure historical after that, but everybody likes to forget mm. it because, Ooh, because it was Black Orchid. <laughs> it, well, with the Hartnell year, it was quite noticeable that this is the historical one now, and now we can do oh, some right. science fiction. It, it was very. Yeah, I, I, uh, I believe they originally. Uh, Nick, you're huffing a bit into the microphone. Could you shift it a bit away from your mouth? Yeah, just put that further. Down. Further away. <laughs> do you want me to put the microphone in another room? That's a brilliant suggestion. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. I think in the in the early days there was a a suggestion that it was meant to be educational at least some of the time. Yes, I think that I lasted. I don't know that was ever really pretty much up to serious suggestion. they I, filmed it. Yeah, I, I suspect <laughs> this this was BBC politics rather than anything more serious. Mm. Yeah, okay. well, let's remember that with BBC, it's not just politics. I mean, with BBC, the Young Ones was not a comedy because if they got a band involved. It fell under the um, light entertainment light show entertainment. budget, mm. and they got more money. Mm. So it mm. wasn't actually produced by the comedy department, <laughs> and that's why things like the Goon Show and everything have always got bands in. It's like, oh, let's have a completely unrelated musical number <laughs> for the I, budget. Mm-hmm. I think there was also a musicians' union thing that if, if it was a program over a certain length, it had to have right, a, a musical right. interlude. Mm. But surely you've got this thing. It's based on a on a TV program. In this case, the TV program is about a central character. Okay, yeah. they come up with this brilliantly inventive um, way of carrying it on, even when the actors died or moved away. Um, it's endlessly reinventing itself. You've got basically anything in any way you can go and do. But how do you take your typical role-playing group of four or five people, maybe, and that together with the show which is based around the idea of one person who's massively more intelligent, knowledgeable and powerful than anyone else who basically has the keys to the transport and maybe takes a couple of people with him or her now to um, you know, well I don't know sometimes just to uh, let the audience relate to what's going on. 
sometimes to be Adric. We never really did work out what he was for. <laughs> Why does he? I, that, I'm with Alan the, Moore. That the, the, the Doctor is basically a, ser- a string of flamboyantly dressed tr- child molesters. But anyway. <laughs> the, the, the theory with that was that he would be an audience identification figure. Hmm. But um, well, we speaking, certainly speaking as like Wesley so, Crusher, we did all hate him. Speaking as someone well, who was a, who was a young man at the, at the time that those episodes came out, I, I I think I and everybody I knew thought, well, if that's if that's what you think the fans are like, we we are not really interested in that depiction. But anyway, uh, interesting. So Can I just interject that in, in again in the Hartnell years that the two teachers, Barbara and uh, Ian. Ian were basically there to be the doctor's moral compass because he didn't have one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to, to, to minute... answer John's question, uh, what, what the game offers in this uh, is story is a story point thing. Now we'll, we'll come back to that when we talk about the mechanics. But basically, story points are your do something a bit better than you can with skill rolls alone mechanic, a limited right. resource, and the Time Lord will have higher skills but a smaller number of story points. So they get they get fewer chances to be exceptional, basically. Right. So they're kind of playing with a handicap in a way. It's it's a sort of uh, it, it, it's a let's let's people of of sort of different levels of ability operate at the same level of ability in a way. Yeah. Uh, well, the time lord gets to be occasionally hugely impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 we ended up doing? I mean, I I, I was looking through the uh, email when we were entering the game, and uh, at, le- at least one person didn't really fancy that so what we ended up doing was a, a bunch of people who stumble into the adventure rather than Time Lord and Companions or right. Unit Team or whatever And was this a, a pre-written adventure or was this uh, one you Yes, came this, up with? this was Arrowdown uh, which is basically the adventure in the book okay. Can I chip in briefly? Hello, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, well so obviously you know this is a uh, I can't remember the name for it you know a tie-in uh, role-playing game, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Licensed. Word. Licensed. That's that's what. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and obviously, it is Doctor Who. The whole premise of the show is the Doctor. Hmm. Um, you run a game, and this is something the game supports. You run a game which does not feature what some people might say was the central element of the entire TV series at all. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't have the Doctor. It doesn't have the TARDIS, um, and obviously that that is something the game actively says it supports. It's in the opening paragraphs of it that you can do, you can do that and do that. It's mm. encouraged. Um, that's quite. It seems to me quite an unusual aspect of a game. So I just wondered if you wanted to well, comment I, I, on I that. Think what I was aiming for was was more a Doctor Whoish ethos. I mean, there. Okay, we, we we may not think much of Torchwood, but it does exist as a series. Um, so clearly, you can have a series in in that setting that doesn't have the Doctor in it. Um, for that matter, there's a Sarah Jane Adventures, which I haven't seen, but many people speak highly of. Yeah, and wasn't there I've seen a couple of unit novel? I uh, think so. What what I can say there is 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 a, a unit source book for the RPG. All right. Uh, and, and people have run specifically unit campaigns. Hmm, that, that would seem a better fit for a role playing. Very hard to go through without people going, look at this unit. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, it does have the uh, problem for a lot of groups that you do basically want something like a military hierarchy, and a lot of groups don't really like that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
But, but then, um, yeah, as you say, Torchwood would work in that. But, but give, is, is given there a Torchwood those... supplement or some um, kind of... Let me just have a look. Because this, of course, suffered a little bit with... Um, I think it's still... In, they still make it, do they? Yeah. I believe it's still in print. Yeah, I know it's it's always suffered a little bit with the licensed standard of everything comes out a bit later than you hope. So mm. because it's they got usually to be a doctor behind with their source book, can't they? The way yeah, they get through uh, doctors at least. nowadays. But I know quite a few of these supplements that were supposed to be out didn't. It looked like oh, was it coming out at all? Are they stopping the line, and then it would appear all of a sudden. It's still is it yeah, Cubicle Seven? This it is uh, Cubicle Seven. Uh, seven. There mm-hmm. is well, I, I don't know if they've done a supplement for the new one, the twelfth. Uh, but there is there is a full array of one to eleven available. Um, is it twelve or thirteen? I forget where we are. I don't, Peter Capaldi is the last one that came out. Yeah, whoever, that, whichever that, number. Uh, he and, is. and that that is eleventh in, in there. Okay. So. And then you've got the War Doctor somewhere in there, who's not counted as a number, isn't he? Oh, yeah. You might have a, well, I, I I don't really. I, I. That was the point at which the new series was seriously losing me. So I. Frankly, it started by casting Christopher Eccleston, so it never really got me. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't like, I liked Christopher um, But yeah, I'm, I, there, I like there are at least three separate versions of, of the core book for 10, 11 and 12. Okay. But, uh, yeah, because that's a problem, isn't it? It goes on the shelf with the Doctor on the front, and it tends to come out just as a new one as yes. about to appear. So yeah. it, the, the product always looks out of date, even though, of course, mechanically, it, it's not. Yeah. So you were going for more, Roger, and more of a, an original set, because for me, in, one in of a my vague problems sense, with I it... mean, it, it was a pre-written adventure anyway, but my, mm. my general ethos going in is I'm more interested in the original series than in the revived series. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I think that makes sense, because increasingly, or since David Tennant, the Doctor's become a very messianic figure. I suppose they did drop that down a bit, but it doesn't... Well, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is more about my personal tastes than about the game... But I, I, I like the idea that he is just this guy, you know, rather than God. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my uh, numerous problems with the new. Not that and, and the, the sonic one, screwdriver becoming a, a magic wand takes yeah. away some of the fun of it. Because one of the great things about the Doctor is you've got somebody who can come up with these crazy, up mad ideas. Whereas now you think all he needs to do is to just look it's up the same. correct setting in the index for the uh, sonic screwdriver, and. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. it. Solve the problem. Detonate the odd mine. Use it as a track to beam. Yeah, idea. use that well, hypno well, paper, it's whatever it's called. Um, if, if, in a narrative design sense, you have you know the doctor. The doctor comes arrives somewhere, is captured by suspicious people, and locked up. And that mm-hmm. that that is essentially boring. So the sonic screwdriver, just used in its relatively pure sense, is well, yeah, okay, we can we can get out of locked up places and, and then go and have more adventure. Almost like. A screwdriver, in fact. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I agree, it can be it, overused. <laughs> like, it, it was... It, 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 it seemed like it, the only things it was, essentially, okay, obviously you get locked up, and this is the reason why you can go and investigate. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, it's the uh, you know, the pretext to let you hand-wave the logic of why is he just allowed to wander around this place? But it's been locked but up now, and, captured, and now he's walked out. Now it's mm. a crazy thing to allow a role-playing party to have, isn't it? Mm. You know, you're you're giving them. Uh, it's almost a character in itself. It's an immensely adaptable, powerful tool. So it's got. It, it's sort of very hard to handle. And this is what I find interesting about the attempts to do a Doctor Who role-playing game. As I say, there've been I think three. 
Um, you have a setup that doesn't appear to, to match usual role-playing groups in the balance of power and the number of people it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got this sadly more and more um, structured canon, because people get upset by these things. I mean, really, who cares? Uh, well, lots of people care, actually. Well, if you want to write in, it's Roger BW. And you've got things like a sonic screwdriver, which in the series you could tell they were getting upset when they did things like, oh, we can't open this door, it's been deadlocked, or something. Oh, there's a settings for this door that doesn't let a sonic screwdriver open it. That's purely, the, you know, that's plot working. That's the power of plot. Mm-hmm. And again, you can't really do it in the same way the in is, a role-playing game. But it's got to address all those things. I, th- I think if you, if you want a story that feels like Doctor Who, then it is a lot more plot-driven than, you, than your typical RPG narrative. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like about the game is, is the way it reaches a medium between those two. Um, and the story points are a part of that. But, you know, it's, it's not so much... Here is a sonic screwdriver with a list of abilities, and if you find the right thing in the list, you can just say, "Oh, it works." It's mm-hmm. it's much more likely to be okay. I, I will use my existing skills to come up with a clever thing to do with the sonic screwdriver. Right. Uh, so certainly, the, the, that's the way that's the way I see it working best. Uh, so, you know, you, you, the, the focus is not on we've got this thing that has these powers. It's on I am smart, and therefore I can think of a thing to do. Yeah, or lucky, or whatever happens to yeah, be, but, but depending the focus, on, on the, the source of character. character. But yeah, yeah hmm. which really, I think, is the only way you can deal with <laughs> the ridiculously overpowered nature of some of the things that happen in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. So in that sense, so I, are you oh, kind of treating it essentially like a set of thieves' tools? In effect, yes. I'm basically an, an amplifier hmm. for the character rather than an objective in itself. Uh, there, yeah. there is a source book which I haven't read much of, which goes into horrible details about you know, everything you can do with the TARDIS. And again, that yeah. doesn't really interest me. I, I, I don't know whether any of you have read the original Fasser RPG. Yep. Uh, I was yeah, I actually played a t- or played the. Uh, there we go. Then. <laughs> I played a Time Lord called Barty who had a, a blue cagoule and a deerstalker. That's basically, <laughs> all I remember about him. So, what was the uh, FASA system? Well, like? it, it was very much a a game of its day, and its day was roughly the same time as the original Star Trek RPG. Uh, there's a lot of complication. I've got e- a lot in common with that. Yeah. If if you care deeply about whether a Cyberman's gun does more or less damage than a Dalek's gun. That that system has got you covered, right? But as the writers of the show don't really care about that. Well, indeed, I'm not that, sure that's, that's something you want. It, it, it is very them. much trying to be a simulationist game, but it is built on sand. Sure. But exactly. yeah, yeah. having said that, as with their Star Trek RPG, the source books were fantastic. There was some really good stuff there. I, can't, I don't know about the adventures because I didn't play any of the um, Doctor Who adventures. Um, but they got a lot of praise for the quality of their source books, mm-hmm. fleshing things out in a way that you could relate to in role playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it could easily turn into a gun fest because there was no reason not to. Yeah, so it was more like a sort of traveller. Well, yeah. Yeah, you had to basically rely on it. on gamers to right. keep in mind that you're playing Doctor Who. In a way, this is this is the sort of the, one of the key problems with Doctor Who. Yeah. If you don't get it through to people that you're not playing D and D, the Doctor rarely loots the body. You know, <laughs> uh, he prefers not to have a body as a result of his actions to begin with. 
Yeah, but I'm playing the master. No, so. he, he, oh, well, then he's got a body that big, really quite tiny. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, here is the thing I think is what one of the crucial things about the um, Cubicle 7, Doctor Invention Time and Space System, uh, the ordering of actions in a combat round. Mm-hmm. Which right. You, you divide everybody into four classes. Talkers always go first. Then movers, you know, running away or whatever. Doers, as in some technical task. And then finally fighters. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, that is an interesting decision. So, you know, if, if, if you're saying, no, no, don't shoot, and then diving behind cover, you get to do that before they shoot. Yeah. I think this was, when I first heard about the system, it was the the one thing that moved it for me from, oh, they're doing another Doctor Who game, to that's actually extremely clever. They've clearly they're they're tuned into what the show's about, mm-hmm. which is not mm-hmm. how how fast can you outdraw the Dalek, you know? Yeah. It's, because the Daleks ought to be able to roll over everybody. There was absolutely no reason the Doctor was still around in Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should have been gunned down over and over again in the Daleks. But the universe doesn't work that way in Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Mm. He, you couldn't take the Doctor and put him into Battlestar Galactica or put him into Blake 7. He wouldn't work <laughs> because those universes are a, a tad harsher at times. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a, there is always time to monologue. Yeah. But it's, ab- it's about not if, using if violence as the doctor, solution. It, most exactly. of the time to monologue. Like, yeah, mm. but that's what I mean. Like, it, mm-hmm. Part of the basic rules of the universe is that it, it's, it's more like stage theatre in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The, there is always time for a death speech. There is always time for you to protest before the whatever's opened fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always time to get them to change their mind. Ah, mm. so, so, so Doctor Who is a Brechtian analysis of, of um, capitalist society. Mm. Uh, the, the other thing to consider is if you're being shot at by a lethal weapon, it's a lethal weapon. Uh, and if mm-hmm. it hits you, either you're spending some story points to have a miraculous escape or you're dead. So don't Which get shot again at. Does, does fit with the the show because like, it is pretty deadly at times as well. The show. But it also mm-hmm. fits rather brilliantly in story points. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it particularly, I, I think, rather brilliantly supports role playing. You know, you've got to be inventive and you've got to do more than I hit it with my axe. Mm, you shouldn't yeah. really be carrying around in Doctor Who anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's a precedent you, for it. You can carry it around if, it, if it's in character. Yeah. yeah, you might need so to open r- the door. Remind I mean, me there's all kinds of possibilities. Sorry, Jim. Uh, the, the basic system is a skill plus stat plus rolling dice. Yeah, that that, that, was that it, is. Um, I'm trying to get over a number. Yeah, that that is something that is a little bit iffy. Um, in what respect? Well. That, that in itself works, but the, the numbers are, are harder than they appear. I mean, the examples they give you, your, your stats and skills are on a one to six scale, and, and they say, mm-hmm. you know, three is average, uh, human stat, average reasonably competent skilled person at something. Uh, okay. So, yeah. they, they, for, they give us an example of a normal task, uh, swimming in the sea or driving a car in traffic. Okay. Right. And that's difficulty 12. Your average competent, average competent person has, has attribute plus skill of six, so you'll, you'll do that three quarters of the time, and that's fine. Right, okay. But if you succeed by just that much, it's a yes but. You've got uh, graded successes. So, you know, mm. you, Complications you, you succeeded, but, but there's some drawback. If you want right. yes with no problems, you need four points higher, 
uh, which that, four points higher, which that character yeah, is only going to achieve here. on yeah. one in six. Yeah. Now the uh, the average roll on two d six is seven, isn't mm-hmm. it? So, so straight so away, you are on the average not going to to get that. You're going to get a complication. You know, without even going deeper into the numbers, you can well, see straight the, away that you're not going to get On the average, you're, you're going to get 13. Yeah, you, you know, you're mm. not going to get that four points higher. You're going to get... Yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're only going to get that or. about one time in six. Right. And I, I find that a bit harsh. On the other hand, uh, one way to do that is to regrade tasks, because, frankly, either of those things I would normally regard as don't bother to roll, you just achieve it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Does it have that sort of advice in? Does it say things like, you know, if there's no peril, don't bother to roll to see if you accidentally crash into a tree? Uh, it does. Because there are plenty of games that, that don't, although I think it's less common now. <laughs> I think nowadays most systems have a little... I don't know about this one. There. Um, there, I, th- I think there are some notes along those lines, but um, I, I was quoting from, from the example difficulty table. Right. So when right. this system came out, I mean, it's a new Who era. Yeah. system. They came out in, was it Tenant's era, or was it before? Was it uh, the first before? one they published was Tenant. I don't, I don't know the exact publication date. Okay. okay. It was fairly recent. Um, I don't think it's as recent fairly as you recent imagine. Now. <laughs> no. <laughs> that means within the last 20 years, I've discovered. Um, I, I, I didn't it pay much attention to years. it until about two or three years ago. So yeah. I feel like it's about 10 years. Uh, yes. Yeah, 2009. Uh, yeah, uh, that... that about well, 10 that's years is 11 years, chance. Yes, well, it's about 10. He didn't say exactly 10. We're not putting money down on this. I mean, X-Files oh, seems yeah. fairly recent to me, I must say. <laughs> oh, please, I'm still cut up about them. Closing the uh, series on The Incredible Hulk. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, yes. that was a while ago. So, what uh, the big kind of selling point, I suppose, as a player to this was the story points and the influence of those um, well, now remind me, this wasn't like a trading story point system was it? We didn't uh, give you story no, you, points. You, if you we, have we a certain a pool, number of points, yeah. I, I can't remember offhand how they Twelve. refresh I think, I think it's per session or per adventure something like that Yeah. but you know, as in common with most modern story point systems uh, it isn't one of these if you don't spend them you get to use them to, to improve your character things because that's just silly. Yeah. nobody does that anymore <laughs> Ooh, it's a bit of a dig mm. Forgotten Futures there. A couple of people still do that, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so well, the Savage Worlds did stop doing that. Yeah. Oh, that uh, Monty Cook thing is on Numenera. I haven't okay. played that. I, I find it for, I've played the computer game, which is bloody brilliant, but I'm not really? very interested in that uh, role playing. I've, I've been a player in it once. Uh, How was it? Sorry, it's a different uh, system. Let's talk about that another time. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, I, I have, I believe, listened to your session. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so, John, can I mine your memories as a player? <laughs> yes. Uh, how did you feel? What did you expect going in? Did it fulfil your expectations? Did you find anything interesting? Well, it's funny, the bizarre thing that um, when we said we were going to talk about this, and I thought back to it, and I could remember the adventure and lots of mm-hmm. the things that happened. I can. And the bit with the, the sort of um, uh, little it was a chip shop, wasn't it? Fish and chip shop. Yeah, yeah. Shop. And the there was that, and there was the, the fairground with the Ferris wheel and all these yeah, sorts of things. There's a lot lots Ferris of Ferris wheel. I could not for the life of me remember anything oh, about my character from his name... <laughs> to where he came from, what he did, what he was all about, to the extent that when Roger sent me a link to the characters, 
uh, I, I saw the sort of the names there, and I didn't know which one was mine <laughs> until I clicked on one at random. So clearly, what what drew me was not the uh, the opportunity to play a character I deeply desired to play, but because it's Doctor Who, it was very simple character generation. Um, hmm. I got the idea of having well, Luke, let's have somebody who's exposure to um, time travel and weirdness is that thing you get in Doctor Who of the companion who is actually not from our contemporary period but is is somebody from another time (laughs) so he was somebody who had actually been rescued by the Doctor in World War II and then dumped (laughs) for want of a better word in the modern day with a a sort of theory of he'll come back to, to sort things out later but he had to be. You were Captain Stockton. Uh, Stockton, yes. Uh, Alf Stockton, I think he was. Yep. Okay. So he's a soldier. He's a, he's a bloke out of time. You've got all the funny things with the alien technology then, but also with just you know any any technology after about 1950 would look like wizardry. <laughs> so I'd got a character Still that does. I could enjoy and play, and I'd got the setting that I basically. Without knowing the minutiae, I know enough Doctor Who because I grew up watching it and read the books and so on. So all that familiarity, I think, lets you jump in and get on with the role-playing. And then you find out that the system has that rather brilliant initiative mechanic so Mm -hmm. that you don't get this character you want to play in a world you want to explore and then get shot dead on the first encounter, which has happened to me in Traveller. Mm. Oh, you live long enough to finish character generation. Yeah, yeah. And... um, the mechanics were were really simple. Uh, there was pr- pretty much nothing to learn in that respect. I'm sure if I go back and listen to the recording of it, there's me going, sorry, what am I rolling again? Despite the fact <laughs> it's two dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I, 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 I found sometimes that it, find it a bit too light for my comfort, but, uh, but it suddenly, I, I was getting the hang of it. Yeah, the, the mechanics perhaps don't give you the tactical things that you might want at some point, but certainly when you're getting into it, they absolutely don't get in the way from the start. Um, some people don't like kind of meta-currency story points, but I felt this was a much lighter touch to encourage you to play in a Doctor Who style than mm. a lot of story games where they really brutally force you to do a s- role-playing in a... S- that was cool. a... I think that was your mic Sorry. there, um, Shim. Uh, they really force you to act in a certain way to kind of focus on... If you're going to focus on a ga- get a game that uh, doesn't focus on combat you get something like Gumshoe, where it puts its investigation mechanics all at the front Mm. and then gives you a pretty unsatisfying mechanic for everything else. This one, by giving you that initiative mechanic, it's basically saying that if you want to solve this problem, shooting it is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, that is... And I I like that. It's it's almost like it's it's saying, you know, hey, you you can go along with this. You don't have to. You can always get a gun and shoot somebody. Violence is always an option. But it's not necessarily the best option. But it, I yeah. thought it was really well done. Yes. I, I think in, in a mechanical sense, um, where Gumshoe says you have this many points in this ability, the, the story points here are, are a bit more general. So there's still a spotlight-sharing mechanic. You, you still have your 12 story points worth of being awesome. In, in the, yes. I, it, I, th- I think you, you restore at the end of the adventure, more or less. But you don't have to say, OK, I, I, I've done a lot of being athletic, I can't be athletic anymore. Mm. What I liked about the story points, they're all very, as as you say, they're all very spotlight on your character. I mean, all they're all on your on your character sheet. They're all illustrated by quotes, and they're all from 
from your character's perspective. So you're altering the narrative, but using your character to do that in, in a in a way that your character would do or would want, or in in a way that makes narrative sense, but isn't like, oh, I've just found a gun under this pillow. But I, uh, yeah, I, I quite I, I like that it puts a focus on your character and allows you to do it in your the way your character would do it. So, yeah, I mean, again, the, the, the yeah. plain usage is you've just made a roll, each story point you spend boosts your success by one level. But <laughs> then you can get inventive. But and as, as in common with many of those sort of systems, like Genesis, you do tend to, particularly because we're tired and playing it in an evening where we've been at work usually, <laughs> we tend to just go for the the, the easy option. Um, but it's, it's nice to have the scope to do that. And I... Yeah, I, a bit like John. I barely remember a thing about the character. I remembered my character's name because it was. Yeah, Tim so yours Lord. immediately flooded back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, yeah, it made, I, I played. Surprised how similar it was to the Genesis character. Um, but um, I, yeah, I really like the system. Um, I barely remember it, and that's probably a good thing. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I do, I do remember it having more of an impact. For instance, we talked about monsters and magic. And how that has a similar idea, I suppose, that you get bonuses and you do something awesome with those bonuses. Yeah. I think or not necessarily awesome, but you no know, influential. Interesting. Beyond just the role, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think this worked better at that. To me, I remember mm-hmm. that from this system. Whereas you could be forgiven. And again, I don't, I don't want to dismiss them. You know, we had a really good no, time we dis- playing. No, we discussed um, it, and I think we agreed that the way it was working for us, whether it was our fault, my fault, whatever, mm. or the system, it didn't have enough of an effect to be more than a bloody annoyance at times. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> I don't think we we stumbled over it. You didn't do something in this and then think, oh, that was a bit of a damp squib. No, it felt like we were... We had agency in the world, which is why. And again, maybe it's because of the time, you know, in Doctor Who, that is very thematic and, and fits it. Whereas when you're trying to put that into an old school D&D setting... It, it, they, they've released about the mechanics that, as a generic thing, haven't they? Isn't it called Vortex now? The system. I was going to ask oh, that. I'm is it from not another? familiar with it. I don't know if it... I'm sure something's been put out. I'll have to I'll have to look whether it's um, actually a product or if it's just a sort of set of core mechanics that can be used for other things. If, if That's needed. interesting. They're, they're it doesn't seem like a very vortex system on on their web page now. Right. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a very generic system in that. Sense. Well, you certainly couldn't have that um, initiative thing. But then again, that could be changed quite easily. It would it, it would change the character of the game remarkably. This is why I think it's such a uh, a terrific idea. Whoever mm. came up with that really should have got a bonus. Mm. Yeah, I mean, th- thinking about what, what other games one could <laughs> I think play it with paid in role playing. <laughs> um, I could certainly see using it for other TV action. I mean, I, I believe I have actually produced a prime an official licensed Primeval RPG. That's right, mm. they did. I never saw Primeval, but I heard about. That. I, don't, I don't know if it's the same system, but this is certainly a system that I think could work quite well. Right, Downton Abbey. Um, Be good for that. I've never seen actually, it. Actually. Certain t- uh, I could I could maybe see someone like Dick Barton. Yeah, Dick Barton, special agent. It's my yeah. dad's favourite. It's still his ringtone on his phone. You know. Um, yeah, you know. So again, anything where people, where yes, the, there can be violence, but people talking and people doing things is the prime way that things happen. The, the other thing so. is that violence is generally over quite quickly. Well, as you say, yeah. I mean, it doesn't 
it doesn't really matter what you're trying to kill somebody with in this. Um, mm. If it's a serious weapon, we're not going to worry if it's a 357 or a 44. We're not going to care if you've got the sights filed off so you can draw it quicker or whatever. It's going to kill you, you know. Yeah, mm. but, but also if, if if you're strong and you punch someone, they're probably going to fall over rather than. Mm-hmm. You well, trade, from a narrative it, perspective, it's, it's quite embarrassing in GURPS. You trade punches back and forth for quite a long time <laughs> before somebody <laughs> finally gives up gives up consciousness. Yeah, but I, from a var- narrative perspective, the reason violence is overused, perhaps it, it is. There is nothing kind of stronger and quicker to alter the course of the narrative in a surprising way than violence, I suppose. I, I don't know if you need a bit more... Th- I mean, well applied <laughs> violence is an amazing tool in a narrative sense. It, it's it's just, also it's easy, to easy to understand from the audience point of view. Yeah, well, look, look at something yeah. like The Fifth Element. Um, the bit where you've got all the aliens on the cruise ship thing. And... Uh, Bruce Willis's character just sort of shouts out, you know, who's in charge? And he sort of stands up and he just walks and shoots him. And you're right, okay, so you've got rid of that guy and well, I was now thinking we can deal of the with the moment in Raids of the Lost Ark. Uh, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah g- uh, I mean, that wasn't like, expected. Uh, the Stargate TV series where this could work, but I think the series had more of an emphasis on, alright, we're an actual military unit and we're going to be using violence a lot as part of the plan. Right. So I think, I think you might want to tweak it a bit if you wanted to run that in it. But it could, yeah. could this, this work as a Star Trek game, maybe? Do you think? I mean, I... Possibly. Um, Do you yeah. know, I'd, just thinking about it, I don't really see why not, because mm. Star Trek, again, is not usually considered a shoot first program. So Very often the other side shoots first. Mm. Yeah. It tends to be that, you know, the solutions to a lot of problems are not a philosophical or in Star Trek and Doctor Who, actually. You know, they're, 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 mm. or they're, it's, it's more narrative driven than... Why, why do these people want to shoot us and how can we make them not want to shoot us? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's an interesting answer. Because so there if, you go, because if they want seven. to shoot us, they might want to shoot somebody else later. And, and if, we, if we just get away, that won't, that won't fix the problem. Yeah, because obviously in Star Trek what you would have really happen is the Enterprise arrives in orbit, takes out quite a few <laughs> well-chosen targets, yes. and make their demands. Yes, <laughs> we're on a That's exploratory what scouting really mission, this massively heavily armed war. <laughs> 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 we we can destroy your planet, but I assure you it wasn't designed for that. We were, oh, we were horrified when we worked it out. <laughs> Lord, is that what that fellows. does? Oh my word. But we will just point out that that will happen if, if say, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think oh, it would break if you push, pushed it too far outside that genre, though. I yeah, mean, you, yeah. Your TV action adventure, I think it does reasonably well, mm. but certain kinds of I almost think certain kinds of gothics, maybe verging on horror. You know, the kind of things where melodrama mm-hmm. yeah. is a big feature, because again, that whole. I'm going to monologue rather than I'm going to stab you in the face. But of course, that's an element of Doctor Who uh, on many occasions. I mean, the, particularly people think of the um, the period where you've got the horror of Fang Rock, uh, Talents mm-hmm. of Wen Chang. That's the, what's very often thought of the sort of Robert Holmes, really core uh, yeah. Tom Baker years, where mm-hmm. Mrs. Whitehouse was desperate to get it off the telly because it was <laughs> disgraceful and too violent and appalling for children to see. I mean, this is some of the best telly I saw as a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just gives you such an amazing feeling seeing a show like that, and it it was scary. Mm. 
it was, you know, they mm. all hide behind the sofa but for Doctor Who. It was genuinely scary. And there aren't that many occasions that the Doctor just pulls a gun. I think actually Tom Baker does it in his first episode, but the, <laughs> that, that was probably because the man who, who wrote that or directed it, I have a feeling he used to direct the Avengers. Um, <laughs> so he, he, I don't think, I'm not quite sure he'd made the, made the transition. Not that just, Steve uh, was, just Steve off the screen. gutting people down either, to be fair, but. I yeah, mean, there was I mean, a lot of John Pertwee yeah, high. There's, there's a Pat Troughton, uh, one of the Cybermen stories, where he, he, he's quite happily ru- running around shooting Cybermen in the back. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's not typical of him. <laughs> <laughs> then a recorder solo. I had a moment of madness, uh, Il Gallifreyan Overlords, and I, just, <laughs> I, I greatly regret it. And in my defence, they weren't technically alive. Because we're biochauvinists. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, yeah, the, the gothic side of it, I mean, putting that kind of atmospheric horror in, which I think, um, they've had hints of it in the new series, but I don't think they've really tackled it properly since Ghostlight, which was the final Sylvester McCoy, final kind of classic era Doctor Who story, mm, which was so very sort of, you know, it was Victorian haunted house kind of stuff that turns yeah. out to have a technological Yeah, I, I, I felt that the bridge didn't entirely fit together, but it's beautifully atmospheric. Some yeah, of the more memorable new who's a horror, but like the one about the, the the last Dalek that works quite well as a horror story. It's got, and and the one the the, the Weeping Angels, the, the kind of classic era, the yeah. new era, yeah. one invented. Although I mean, not quite that <laughs> no. gothic thing particularly, though. I'm no, but I, mean, it, horror, I think they've, they've done horror, but yeah. that's that feeling that they've come up with this thing because they, the BBC was perhaps doing a, a, a gothic or romantic story at the same <laughs> time a on a different show, and oh, we've got all these sets yeah. and costumes, yeah. so <laughs> well, let's keep the budget. That, that's how they made uh, Mask of Madrigora, I think. There was, there, the BBC had just done some historical epic, and, and yeah. they, they hadn't mm. yet uh, struck all the sets and costumes. Yeah, well, which is fantastic. And you don't have those restrictions when you're playing or running a role-playing game, of course. You know, it's all theatre of the mind. So you can come up with all crazy stuff, and yet sometimes I think you probably could learn a few lessons from the way Doctor Who would restrict itself mm. to create uh, and manage to create that sort of atmosphere. And the game certainly seems to back it up. I mean, as, as you were saying, Shim, it, it mm. suits that kind of gothic melodrama. Yeah, and I mean, as you know, as token audience member number one, um, I, I <laughs> he says as if there was a number two audience <laughs> member. <laughs> there could be. Who knows? Um, yeah, you know, I felt like actually the scenario got that. I wouldn't say it was gothic, but it, it got some of those very creepy elements down reasonably well. Yeah, the, the funfair um, is perhaps a bit heavy-handed, but mm, you, you you put you put an abandoned funfair in a scenario. It, it's pretty clear what what sort of uh, atmosphere you're trying to go for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, welcome exactly. to Chekhov's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose uh, into, I've got a couple of questions. So mm. one would be: Are there any aspects of the mechanics? I mean, you said it was a little bit light, but is there anything specific that you didn't really like that you would prefer to work differently that you felt was an impediment to what you're trying to do? The thing I found a bit awkward, and I think I would get used to it with more play, uh, is there are only twelve skills. Full stop. Okay. And that, obviously they're all fairly broad. That does mean that if somebody, in the, if nobody in the party has a, has a particularly good rating in in a particular skill, 
you're a bit naffed because most of the things yeah. you could do to overcome a particular challenge might well come under that skill. I and mean, obviously, to some extent, this promotes the party being inventive. But, so. but do, doesn't Forgotten Futures have a similar problem? It's got a very restricted skill list of very broad skills. Mm. But we, you know, we seem to yeah, not well, hit that, I, that I, issue I, with I that. Not, I have not yet run Forgotten Futures. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, it may co- <laughs> may show up from your perspective, maybe. Um, but that that was the main thing I mean, I, I don't normally uh, play or run systems that light but I thought it worked mm. pretty pretty well yeah there are a couple more skills in GURPS as I recall um, <laughs> I think Forgotten Futures does have a longer skill list than that it's tight it? but it's not this literally does, I mean the skills are all printed on your character sheet and they're not the biggest box <laughs> on, yeah, I mean, on the you, you can have specialisations in them right but Basically, but are still, they are part of a. Mm. Yeah, it's a very short list. That's true. I'd like to actually just just looking at the character sheet. Um, I thought it was quite good. The fact you've got personality is actual, actually sort of front and center, which is kind of mm. nice. Personal goal is there, and your background, and and that's all nicely done. The attributes and the skills, it's all together. That's great. What is this bloody full-colour, huge-margin nonsense? Have they not heard <laughs> yeah. of print-friendly? Why do uh, we need I that? Did, I did. Mine is a printer-friendly character. Oh there, there are wow. such things. But I agree. Someone, yeah, I, 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 I just used the first form-fillable one I could find. Right. Would no, I'll just look at that. quickly running through what those skills actually are, given there's so few of them? Uh, yes, if I just move over here to where I've got the PDF open. Well, should we have the attributes and the skills? We might as well have the attributes as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, attributes are awareness, noticing stuff. Uh, coordination, yeah, dexterity, basically. Ingenuity, coming up with clever stuff. Presence, charisma. Resolve, determination of willpower. And strength. Hmm. So, so really, ingenuity is a little different than having an intelligence stat, then, hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So mm-hmm. It's a sort of slightly different focus. It's not about how much you've learned. And it, it, it is what pretty you much with, the way intelligence gets used in most RPGs. You know, well, your your yeah, reasoning ability and so on, but... Yeah, what, what obviously what it doesn't cover is specific knowledges because that's what skills are for. But there, there are a lot of things that would would go off that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having awareness as a separate stat rather than you know a skill that you have, you know, spot hidden or whatever it might be, uh, is interesting because again that that feels quite fitting for something like Doctor Who, where people noticing things, maybe things that other people, people who weren't the protagonists, had not noticed. Yeah is often a very important element of the stories. It's certainly something I've noticed about my own GMing style. I, I do rely quite a lot on who in the party is the first to notice something uh, as a, mm-hmm. OK, let, let's see see how you react to this rather than everybody else. Mm. Uh, and when I recently ran Call of Cthulhu for the first time, I, I was slightly at sea at first because there isn't a general... I mean, yeah, you can use spotted, but that's not really what it's for. Yeah, no, it's, like it's a little spot, too narrow, isn't it? Because it's you've got listen and you've got spot hidden, and, the, and you're kind of breaking out a general awareness into something that requires a lot more attention and focus. Mm. It, mm. It's not just something happens. Did you notice it? It's a lot more. You're looking for something. Do you find it? Mm. Yeah. 
So and they, again, maybe has it. Yes, yeah. save that for the, the cock episode. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are uh, traits which are basically this game's advantages and disadvantages, and I'm not going to run through those because there are lots of them. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's where a lot <laughs> of the uh, character customization comes in. Just notice my character has the screamer trait, which means I can I'm... stun the mm-hmm. foe. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, I just wanted to raise one single example, which is the one on. I remember from reading the rule, which was the screamer trait, because it's so fitting. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, that, that's one of the things that, that I think they did uh, borrow from Ian Marsh's Time Lord. There is a few things in here which do very much remind me of that game. Yeah. Um, but okay, so that's those. And there, yeah, I notice I've got low tech time traveller, which surely is just getting older. <laughs> so there are quite. Yeah. 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 Run for your life, which I quite like. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what a lot of them do is effectively give you a plus two situational bonus for yeah. a, for okay. a particular use of something. Hmm. Uh, which is fine. Uh, and but they skills. seem quite thematic, dancing down my sheet at least. But yeah. So, um, yeah, athletics, your physical activity stuff. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think they call it areas of expertise, the specialisations in this. Um, but basically, your, your physical stuff that isn't actually hitting people comes under athletics. Right. Hmm. Uh, convince, which is basically all, all the persuasion type skills. Mm-hmm. Craft, which is kind of generic, but re- you, re- you really have to push on the specialisations a bit there. You're do- doing crafty things, you know, blacksmith or musician or whatever. Hmm. That's from uh, building and, a car to writing a book. Well, that's the thing. Un- un- unlike the other uh, skills, you really have to say, okay, you've got it in this thing and not any yes. gra- anything covered by the skill. Uh, fighting, which is basically close combat um, fists, swords, axes, whatever knowledge, again um, it's kind of a general knowledge it, th- there are certain other skills which cover specific things, otherwise again you, ha- you have to lean on the expertise and say okay, you know history as opposed to history and sociology and literature and mm. uh, marksman is your shooting skill uh, medicine, science, science, not with an exclamation mark. No, but it, but it's broad enough that it, that you could justify it. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they do distinguish between science and technology. Uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Subterfuge, which is basically your, all your classic thief and spy skills: sneaking around, lockpicking, pickpocketing, disguise, mm-hmm. uh, survival. Uh, you're, you're stranded in a hostile environment. Uh, can, can you live off the land? Technology, which, which you know, contrasting with science, is the can you actually use stuff? Mm. Uh, mm. And transport, which is basically anything from bicycles to starships. And again, yeah, you, you, you want more time machine. Mm. Uh, that is one of the areas of expertise on it, yeah. Right. Mm. Uh, you, so, yeah. Although you've only got 12 skills, you do have to lean on the expertise quite a bit with several of them just to say, yeah, you, it, yeah. you can't do everything in this. Right. But and I mean, they are, they are broadly uh, pretty comprehensive. The problem for you then is that perhaps they are each so broad. It's not that there are areas that you feel are not covered. Well, 
if I were designing a generic game, they're not the choices I'd make, but for a Doctor Who game, they seem like reasonable ones. Yeah, I, I have the mm-hmm. feeling that there are probably far, far more skills kicking around in the first draft. It, it looks to me mm. like they've sort of pared things down and gone, well, actually, those two can go together, can't they? Um, in fact, the thing that surprised me was that with the emphasis being so hard away from fighting, that they've actually got yeah. two two fighting skills yeah, out of those. Mm. Makes perfect sense, because otherwise you'd have somebody who was brilliant at all manner of combat, quite cheaply. Yeah. And that yeah. would be... Yeah. That would itself then go back... Uh, it would overweight things away mm. from the sort of game it's trying to be. That's an interesting point. So the idea is to dilute the fighting ability rather than to double up on it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, I, I it's a big a problem in some with, games. Uh, science versus technology. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a friend who commented on one of the, one of the issues you get in games that try to focus on, you know, social dynamics or conversation, that kind of thing, is yeah. often they do it by having a bunch of different skills for different aspects of communication mm. and a couple of skills for sneaking around and fighting people. So it's yeah. much easier to be very good at the part that's supposed to be less important and very difficult to be good at the part that's supposed to be the focus of the game. Mm. Um, right. Yeah, so so. certainly in this, you if you, if you load up on presence and convince, uh, which is what I did. I had uh, five, six presence and six convince. If I was a twelve, <laughs> and I yeah, specialised in. in <laughs> and you well, still find it was uh, that on, on the scale of difficulty that is, this game works on, it's still not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting, uh. wasn't it? Um, Perhaps that's how I played it. One thing I did want to ask, Roger, was we've got this setting, and Doctor Who has to be considered a setting, whether you mm. think it actually it has a canon or is a it, it, total a very mess or sort what. Of setting, yeah. But it does have um, a, a load of sort of lore, and, and it's been around longer than any of us have. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, I think, um, to some extent, grew up with it, with the exception, strangely, of Nick, who. Uh, how you managed to largely avoid it, which seems to be something you did achieve, I don't know. Well, but because when I, my formative years were Sylvester McCoy and... Um, exactly, the best Colin doctor Bates. of them all. Love Sylvester McCoy, he's terrific. <laughs> and let's <laughs> not even start letting over Sophie Aldred. So, <laughs> struggle to argue you had the best stories. No, the stories are crap, but I, he was fantastic. Um, <laughs> most Half the stories are crap, he's got a couple of good ones. Well, anyway, I, I think, yeah... Get, get a comedian and say, now you get to play straight. Mm. Well, produces I produces amazingly good <laughs> results. I mean, the heart will be This is a man whose well. major, uh, you know, major appearances previously had been on uh, Tiswas, who appeared with David Rappaport on uh, Jigsaw as uh, the O-Men. They were superheroes. And who was known for appearing on stage and um, having live ferret shoved down his trousers. So I think he was perfectly set up for being Doctor <laughs> Who. But it's possible we may have moved slightly from the point. Which is, you've got, you've got all this stuff that people are known to obsess over, for one thing. You've got all the Doctor Who encyclopedias. This, there were volumes that Jean-Marc Lefissier wrote. Mm, there I believe every, I even still have them somewhere. Yeah, I got rid of mine, certainly. Um, but tons of stuff. Dozens and dozens of novels, the old Target books, the mm-hmm. Virgin series, which was, hey, this is it's like a Doctor Who novel, but it's written by somebody who wants to have more nudity in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you not have this feeling that you might just have a game where, a bit like after everybody's played D&D in that we run through the monster manual style, that 
you're going to start something and you've got everything set up ready to go and discover that they go, aha, this is a rust monster, I know exactly how to stop this. Oh, that's an Auton. These are Silurians. This is how uh, the Doctor beat this particular yes, thing. Yes and no, um, because this this is one of the things that came came out of my rewatch. Um, I, I think if one looks at Doctor Who from a distance, it's very easy to say, okay, well, you know, th- this is one of the one of the regular monsters. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Daleks are coming back, this is going to be a big event story. Um, yeah. Whereas, I think when, often when it's at its best is when the writer has come up with a completely new monster. Hmm. And yeah. some of the weaker stories, and yes, I am thinking of Earthshock here, in spite of the happy ending, um, <laughs> are, are, are when they take an existing monster and bring it back for the, for the sake of saying, we're bringing back the yeah. whatever. Yeah. Completely, completely. Yeah, so, Silver Nemesis, so, um, one example. So, yeah, as I say, Arrow Down is, is a pre-written adventure, but uh, but I've got some ideas about ways that, that, that the thing could move on if, if we do play it again. Yeah. And um, it's definitely mu- much more in the sense of, well, yes, okay, there may well be Daleks and Cybermen and so on out there, but that's not going to be the focus. Uh, it's much more likely to be something I've come up with. Yeah, mm. and, and if you run into Cybermen, you're not going to be daft enough to just use the ones that fall over if you throw gold at them. Mm. Are they from? Mm. Also, that has only happened once. Also, on the flip side, it's, uh, it's relatively easy for a GM to ensure that getting hold of significant amounts of gold is not trivial and is interesting enough to be an adventure. Uh, yes, and in fact, if you look at the uh, the first time that happened in Doctor Who, that would have been the case. But then they kept bringing them back because by that time they'd got the suits, and um, <laughs> and, and each time they brought doesn't them back, somebody they actually had a new throw a gold coin into one of their chest units and it does the job, whereas it used mm. to be gold dust clogged them up or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Then, it got they, it they, gets they, silly. They had a vulnerability to radiation, which uh, okay, I guess they had a vulnerability to gravity. Don't ask me how that works. <laughs> Do you know, I have that. Increasingly during lockdown, I notice I find myself more and more vulnerable to gravity. Uh, wasn't there some incident when somebody threw some solvents at them and that killed them? And then there was the gold dust I don't know how they've lasted so long. Because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that first but, story was but, a really but consider, good one. You know, if, if I had Cybermen as a recurring villain in a campaign, I would use the Mechanon principle mm-hmm. of every, every time they're defeated, they, they, they survive they and say, aha, we will not be defeated by that again. Well, and, this and is one of my problems with Doctor Who, though. Every time any creature is defeated, they're not just defeated, they're wiped out of the universe entirely, right down to their very last strand of DNA. So the next actor, uh, the next writer has got to come up with some increasingly spurious reason to why the Daleks are back again this time, even though they've well, been that, rewritten out of history. Um, and one, one of the reasons I, I don't get on with the new series is it does like this huge scale. Yeah. Whereas I, is, I, yeah. I would much rather yeah. tell the story about how the Cybermen were fought off from infiltrating this particular base. That's yeah, big or from somewhere that really, better. it almost doesn't matter that they're there. I, mm. I think when the stakes were small is, is yeah. when the, the, the show has really excelled. And in a way, you could see that transferring brilliantly to um, uh, to the role-playing game. Yeah. You know, mm. it's it's just a tiny little thing. You're fighting over one small thing. It's not the fate of the universe, and yet the Doctor has ended up there, however, mm. you know, by accident or by cosmic 
divinity, whatever it is that does it. Um, and he still tackles it with the same sort of, of fervour and, and attention, as if yeah. he is saving the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly that's great. That, says, what an example for your game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter at all, this week we're up against Tiamat, next week we're up against one goblin who is... <laughs> You know, has set up a toll booth on a bridge. You can have things at, at different I scales. As players, still what you fun. don't want yeah. is an NPC dropping into your fortress that's besieged by Cybermen and telling you all what to do. And that's where the, the <laughs> story falls down. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> but I'm not saying that. it's easy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I've got, I've got, I, I agree completely. You know, the the part one of the things that turned me off the, you know, the revived series is. It was having all these things of, oh, you know, not only the universe, but every possible reality is going to be wiped out by this mm-hmm. this thing. It's like, this is just pointless. And then you know the next like, right what's, is, yeah. There's a limit to how far you can raise more. the stakes, yeah. I don't yeah, know, like, they, st- they haven't stopped yet. <laughs> just <laughs> just fight over an old mine in Wales. Like, yeah. they used to be perfectly, the Daleks used to be perfectly happy to try and take over <laughs> a single lighthouse. Tell you when yeah. it went wrong is when that first Dalek took off and floated up the stairs. And then yeah, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a high point, was it? That was the first escalation. Well, that high that point was really an awesome destiny of the Daleks and that, that was Douglas Adams' fault. Mm. It, I think it would have been interesting if it was you know, this is experimental technology for the Daleks, mm-hmm. and it was like a one-off thing. But the thing is, un- until Destiny of the Daleks, it hadn't been a problem, because mm. the, set- the sets were set up, the situations were set up so that it wasn't a problem. Mm. You know, you are going into the Dalek city to do whatever. Obviously, that's set up for Daleks to get around it. But mm-hmm. by then, I think it had become a running joke. What do you do if there's a Dalek invasion? You run up the stairs. So yeah, I think but they then they put it into the, the programme. And that was Douglas Adams having fun, yeah. but th- then it was yeah. a lot of the program. <laughs> and then I mean, that's Douglas why you Adams needed like the collaborators and stuff. Wasn't you know, it? he comes mm. up with something like City of Death, which is just exquisite. Um, yeah, and is relatively trivial as these things go. Yeah, it's life on Earth. It's, stuff, a, it's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's the entire existence of humanity. It, it, it's also r- r- rather neat in that you, you've got all this setup of the guy who punches people all the time. And the story is finally resolved by him punching the right person <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> so, he is one of the best. He's my favourite character, I think, doesn't he? That's <laughs> amazing. Um, anyway. All in all, I would say that my experience playing this would certainly make me want to come back and play more. And partly that's perhaps because it gives you that classic Who sense, which is what I, I enjoyed. And I've watched a few old Doctors relatively recently, uh, and some were crap, and some were quite fun, which I think they yeah, were at the time. Fair enough, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, you know that as a kid, you might enjoy different things at different times in your life, but you can still spot a stinker when you're six years old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a toy tank that's rolling up to uh, Professor Kettlewell's robot. You know, it's <laughs> but you're that kind of suspending thing. your disbelief when you're six, so you know that, but also you kind of go with it, and you don't. Well, that, that was it. the thing. I mean, so, certainly gr- growing up watching SF on TV in the seventies and eighties, you, you had. I, to I think go there, there, there was a certain amount of well, you know, l- like, like the backdrop in a theatre. Obviously, this doesn't look exactly like a jungle on an alien world. Yes, because there's too much cardboard involved. But, but you allow it to. Yeah, it, it, it stands in for just as it would on a stage. Mm. Yeah, the actors are very earnest about it being the jungle backdrop, so yes, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that sort of um, setting 
where you you sort of you know where you are you you're given the the kind of basic cues that say here's the setup okay here's the environment and here's uh, the kind of people that you're meeting and the things you can do and there's here's an objective you really ought to be dealing with or here's something you may be finding out to find out what your objective is mm-hmm. and that's plenty to get on with in a role playing game mm. and it's just it's kind of built into the dna of this thing it doesn't have all the fine detail now the downside of not having all that extra fine detail yes you probably haven't got the mechanical twiddly bits for people who really like mechanical twiddly bits and I can see that for a lot of people um, as some of the problems you pointed out Roger that maybe it would show up more for me if we played it more I don't know yeah. it might perhaps seem awesome. a little bit well I'll just do that again because that mm. does happen in light systems sure I think that's, yeah, some, in some ways it's when you're making a new character and you're like, well, how do I distinguish this from the last character? But then, you know, the mm. traits and the stuff make a big difference on that. Uh, I, in a way, I'm surprised to find um, almost more than any other game we've talked about, talking about it tonight has made me want to play it again. Um, well, I've yeah, thought yeah, about everything we've talked about, but yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose that Monsters and Magic is the other one, but I kind of knew I wanted to play that again. I must admit, Doctor Who, I had, I'd forgotten about it a bit and how elegant the system was, and I enjoyed the game, but talking about it tonight has made me think, yeah, I'd, I'd actually really like to try That's that again. kind of the feeling I was having when I said I was desperately trying to remember what my character is. At first I thought, right, where have I put the character sheet for that? Oh, it'll <laughs> be, it'll probably be in such and such a file. And I thought, what was my character in that? I could not remember. Now, usually <laughs> I can at least remember, if not the name, well, I was playing a writer in the 1930s. And a clue, and yet I was very engaged with the story, and I don't remember having any problems with the setup or anything. So clearly, something was going right, and it wasn't my brilliance at coming up with a memorable character. It was the rest of the game. <laughs> I, t- I, t- I remember the the story quite clearly as well. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it was probably it was probably only about three weeks ago that we played it. <laughs> I can't remember. So, years ago. Years ago. Um, um, I, yeah, there's something else I uh, wanted to ask Roger. Um, so something you mentioned was the fact that um, you know it. You're using a pre-written scenario. It it leans quite heavily on these narrative elements, and you, they need to be quite strong. You suggested for it to be a successful game. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel that would influence your ability to run games that weren't? just going through a pre-written scenario you know because obviously some games learn themselves more easily to improvisation to expanding scenarios that you've come up with but in a direction you weren't necessarily expecting that kind of thing um well i haven't done it i don't think it would be super hard to improvise around because well my, my, my general approach to a scenario is usually who are the people what do they want? What are they going to try to do to get it? And then how does mm. this interact with the player characters? Mm. And I, I, there, there might well be more moving pieces in, in, in something like this, but but I think it holds together. Um, you could probably adjust difficulties on the fly if you found oh, you were well, getting yes. them wrong the first couple of times. Do you think that you might perhaps be a bit too ambitious and create a scenario where everybody suddenly run out of story points because they've kind of been forced to use them. Yeah, and well, uh, as, as we were saying so uh, originally when we were talking about the Cthulhu hack, 
uh, having a sto- having story points that refresh per adventure basically constrains the length of your adventure. Mm-hmm. Mm. On the other hand, you know, if, if we're if we're if we're at the end of session two and people have used three quarters of their story points, well, that that, that gives me a clue that okay, maybe we ought to bring this to, to some at least at least an intermission where, where you could take a break and recover a bit, if not the mm-hmm. actual end of the adventure. So, and you'd pick yeah. you'd pick up those sorts of cues quite easily after running a couple of games, I would think. Hmm. Um, it's probably only the first time or two that that you were improvising that you might, well, I don't want to say make those mistakes, but but slightly miscalculate, misjudge the levels of things. Yeah, because it hasn't got that many bits like that that are you mm. know fatal to the game. It's not like you've you, you've you've got to, everybody's got to roll a 15 or, you know, you're dead. You're not going to put that sort of thing in early, I hope. <laughs> well, I, I, again, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, yes, there are lethal hazards out there, but they are generally not lethal to PCs because there are things you can do you know, not to be there when, mm-hmm. when the gun goes off or whatever. Yeah, supporting yeah. cast, it must be said, does ha- often have a very short life expectancy yep. in a Doctor Who suit. <laughs> People don't wear red shirts, but they don't need them. Yeah, we're more compan- companions have usually got some kind of send off, even if it's um, yeah. into the shop. Usually, <laughs> Katarina. and um, and um, I mean, one of the advantages that a system like this does have is, from you know, my very brief look at it, um, it doesn't have you know very involved NPCs or very involved. Adversaries that you, you know, you might really need to spend a few hours preparing in advance. You know, yeah. In, I speak as someone who runs uh, a Pathfinder campaign, <laughs> well, <laughs> which is a major <laughs> obstacle to improvising things too much. That I might be forced to include a combat, and if I haven't prepared for that, that's a nightmarish scenario. Right. Yeah, right. there, there, there are traits for NPCs like. You know, you have to make a resolve check when you see them because they're so horrifying and things like that. Mm. Uh, but uh, I. I Actually, I actually owe Doctor Bob some software. Uh, she she came up with a design for an NPC sheet so that you know you've you've got your horde of Cybermen or Daleks or whatever, and you you just have okay these, these are the boxes you tick off for when they take damage, and mm. and you and here are their traits at the bottom. Okay, right, spreadsheet nice. or something. Isn't it? E- effectively, yeah. yeah. Um, right. And so, so I, I need to write the generator for that that I promised some time ago, but. Uh, Seems entirely appropriate that Sidemen would fight with a spreadsheet. <laughs> but it's entirely possible to have, you know, ten, 10 or 20 NPCs of essentially identical stats. Mm. So that that could be your Cybermen infiltrating the base and then you cross them off as, as they are dealt with or whatever. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought that because I always think of Cthulhu as a system that I know very well and don't mm. stress about. But in Masks... If you're going to get into combat with one of the sorcerers, I really need to do some research into <laughs> what that, they yeah, do. Yeah, there are, there are exceptional characters. I mean, I yeah. usually when I'm doing a game, it's either like Tunnels and Trolls, where for most things you can just think, oh, let's make this monster rating 50, and that's yeah. all you need to know about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can have a few standard characters. But then those exceptional characters, as you say, in Pathfinder or Hero or, you know, in GURPS, whatever... Mm. Um, they are the issue you come across. Yeah, I, I hardly ever do a full character write-up in GURPS. Um, generally, I, I have a couple of stats and their, their skill level for the things they're competent at. 
See, I think mm. this, this would be fantastic to play with um, a baddie like Count Grendel from Androids of Tara, where it's all this sort of wonderful... <laughs> Next time over- I shall not be so lenient. And then jumps off into the upper battlements into the moat. One of the, one of the best parting lines ever. <laughs> they never turned up again. That uh, no, it's oh. such a shame. I mean, I, uh, sadly, the actor's passed away, but um, it was superb. He should have had a rematch at some point. Yeah, mm. yeah. But th- that kind of character, you know, he didn't shoot laser beams from his arm. I mean, yeah, there was plenty, plenty else going on. <laughs> but he was just a sort of scenery-chewing bad guy. It was glorious. Mm. Exactly. And th- this game's actually set up for bits where you can meet the bad guy head-on and let them chew the scenery, and you get to say your piece and all the rest. And there isn't this desperate scramble for power and, and advantage uh, in the way that there is in most tactical situations, because it's it's set up to let you actually role play. I love that yeah. about it. So yeah. you don't have that you, kind of I'm ready in action for him to monologue and then shoot him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would absolutely run it again. Um, cool. Let's lo- do it then. There we lo- go. Looking through the uh, right same character last yeah. time uh, re- reminded me of how much I enjoyed doing it. I mean, we've talked about it occasionally, but there have been other things I wanted to try as well. But yeah, mm. yeah. absolutely. And, and we, we may end up bringing, bringing this forward in order if I end up running it soon. How interesting. Yeah, I, I'd be very much up for it. Yeah, it, cool. it sounded like a lot of fun. It My was. brief I, skip I through the rule book makes it sound like a lot of fun, and talking about it has also been a lot of fun. Yeah, I wonder why we sort of forgot it. But there we go. That's it's just because we, we do a lot of other games that take time. That's yeah. all. Um, it's simply that. I mean, there's loads of games I'd love to try, and there's loads of games I'd love to do again. Uh, but when you get round to it, Playing, how long does this typical a Cthulhu week, yeah. adventure take? How long is it? Well, my God, how long is this Tunnels and Trolls adventure taking? It's not heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking two characters so far. That's the important. That's the important. Yeah. Oh, I need to roll up another team. Perhaps I'll do that. <laughs> no spoilers. Oh, spoilers. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'll take that. That kind of covers it from from mm. Uh, mm. my aspect. I thought it was a really very well done game that is only hampered. I think from the fact that it is a licensed product, and it's purely mm. the kind of difficulties that you just have inherently with that. In the time it takes for things to be approved, for the refreshing they have to have, so it doesn't look like you know, oh you've still got the twelfth Doctor on something, and we're on the twenty-first Doctor by now. <laughs> yeah, and Mind inevitably that, a little thing, bit um, of expense is going to be in there somewhere. When the Fassel one came out, I think it was either one or two Doctors behind for the cover art because they were going for the American market where they were still showing yeah. the Tom Baker ones. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. the Tom Baker episodes didn't come out until, I think it was, for most people anyway, it was the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, the early 80s rather than in the 70s. He virtually left the role before they they got national coverage of any sort. Yeah. So, yeah, you can understand that that would work for them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, that was sli- slightly embarrassing. They, they, in one of the supplements, they did, did a write-up of Perry, who was the new companion at the time of publication, mm. and she came out less competent than a starting player character. <laughs> Not too far off then. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Would that well, be there mad? we go. More, please, Roger. Let's yeah. Do it again. Yeah. I'll, I'll give some thought to either pasting something together or putting putting some of the original together and see how it goes. Shame we missed Mark, really. But I, I, I'm pretty sure yeah. he had a good time. He also played a character out of time, as I recall. Yeah. Mm. Which, which was yeah. unexpected, but uh, I think worked out reasonably well in the end. Wasn't he a medieval flint napper? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think he was. It wasn't the only stone he uh, slept on. But, uh, 
Good try, but you're far, <laughs> far too deep into your cups, I think, to get away with a <laughs> gag like that. Right, okay, thank you. Oh, thank, thanks for reminding me. Thank you. I, I hadn't thought yeah, about it for good. a while. That was a yeah. good. I don't think we had a similar experience at all, but yes, more please. Well done. Well done. Uh, thanks for sharing, John. And next time, I, that what I, I shall Sorry. not be so lenient. Ah. Uh, I'll just uh, have a good night then. We'll, uh, we'll re- reconvene one while I attempt to finish that Tolls and Trolls adventure again. <laughs> <laughs> Hurrah! We'll good if we find the right time. Oh, You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> Bye. See, see you next time. Bye all. Bye. Bye.